0: Hey, thank you for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can go to our website, RenewalChicago.com. I pray that this podcast today is a blessing and encouragement to your soul. So we're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been preaching through this sermon And the theme for the series has been Christian living in an everyday world. So we've been trying to figure out when Jesus calls people as his disciples, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to live in the everyday world where everything around you may be counter uh, cultural or or not the same as uh, Jesus? It can be the opposite of what he's saying. So what does it mean to truly live that out in the world that's different? So if you got a Bible, go ahead and meet me in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 33 through 37. Y'all been enjoying this series? Yes. All right, Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Once you've got it, go ahead and stand on your feet as we read and honor the word of God together. Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Here now, the reading of God's word. Starting in verse 33, the text reads, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that this comes from evil. Very word of God, amen. On this Father's day today, I want to preach on, more so question, how's your character? How's your character? you turn to the person to your right or your left and say, how's your character? Go ahead. Y'all can ask somebody, how's your character? Then ask yourself on the inside, how's my character? Mm -hmm. That's the question we're going to ask this morning, amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. You're an awesome God. We thank you for just all you've done in our lives. We thank you for fathers, God. And we thank you for men that have stepped up that aren't our fathers, We thank you for you being the ultimate, Father, when we don't have anybody else. God, I ask right now that you would speak with my mouth, that you think with my mind, that you be in my body. God, remove anything in me that is not of you. Let me decrease so that you may increase. Father, have your way in this place. We ask that this word go forth, that it would be yours. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all say together, Amen. amen, amen. You can take a seat. Well, how many of you all have ever done a trust fall before? Y'all never, you you never done a trust fall before? You know what I'm talking about where somebody puts their arms out like this and they, somebody's behind them. They're supposed to catch them. You know, you fall back and they catch them. Y'all know what I'm talking about, trust falls? Some of y'all don't. Okay, Tim, come on up here, man. I want you to, give it up for Tim. He's gonna come up here. He's gonna show y'all what this looks like. Come on up here, Mr. Cool, Tim. Now, Tim is coming up here, y'all, and he's going to trust me to catch him. You trust me, brother? No. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. So he's got to trust me to catch him. He's going to put his arms like this, and, and he's just going to fall backwards. I, we got insurance, brother, I promise, all right? You, I'm going to catch you, all right? You ready to put your arms out? You ready. All right, one, two, three, go. Oh, that's a trust fall, boy. <laughs> Give it up for Tim. Now, why am I talking about a trust fall? Why are we talking about trust falls? You see, trust falls, in a trust fall, both people have to trust one another. There can't be one person stepping into it half-hearted and the other one being it whole-hearted or this one that's catching them being half-hearted and this one not being whole-hearted. They both have to trust one another and be ready for the trust fall. See, if the one that's about to fall is not fully trusting the other person behind them, they're probably going to hurt that person or they're going to hurt themselves or they're just not going to fall, Period. But on the other hand, if the guy that's supposed to do the catching is not fully in it, you know what's going to happen? That brother probably going to fall on his butt. And that ain't even right, is it? Some of y'all been on the other end of that. you you like, I'm going to trust somebody and you fall straight on your head. You know, you just, it ain't even right, man. The trust fall can't work that way. It takes two people being in this together and, and, and trusting one another to catch each other. And see, what happens, because we've been on the other hand of that, where well, we've been let down sometimes, we, we, we start saying, man, I promise I'm going to catch you. I promise, dude, I swear to God, I'm going to catch you. I swear to God, I'm going to... See, we get all animated when we swear to God, like that makes it a little bit more powerful or something. I swear to God, I swear to God. And the other guy that's about to fall is like, I, I know you're going to catch me. I, I know you're going to catch me, because I swear to God you don't catch me, it's the end of you. Just be swearing for no reason. We just go all off the hinges. And you know why? It's because we don't really trust one another. There's no integrity. See, the person can't see the other person behind them, so the only thing they can trust Is their words that are coming out of their mouth saying, I I got you, just fall backwards. See, they got to have faith in the other person to catch them. They have to have trust in that other person. Friends, what I'm trying to get at is that we're living in a trustless culture. We 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 don't trust one another. We don't trust the character of anyone anymore. We question the integrity of everything and everyone. And what happens is that the word of an individual is simply not enough anymore. Trust falls, they don't work anymore. See, trusting our friends, when they say something to us, it's not enough. We we, got to fact check it. We got to Google it. It's not enough. We don't trust our spouses. We don't trust our pastors. We don't trust our teachers. We live in a world where someone's word doesn't mean anything anymore. And the sad thing about this is that this mentality starts to trickle down into our relationship with Jesus. And what happens is that we don't trust his word anymore. You see, we lose all trust because folks have been let down so much. We've been lied to so much to the point where now we're trusting someone else's word is very hard. And because of this, people begin to swear and take oaths to try to get someone to believe. And hear me, Jesus in this text, is, he's calling us up. He's calling us up to say, to, I need you to live a life of integrity where someone will just take you at your word because you reek with integrity. Your life reeks with integrity. So there's a question. Let me ask you as we get into this passage. How's your character? Do you live a life of integrity? How's your character? In this passage today, Jesus is is keeping with the same string of thought or reasoning where he's talking about or he's taking this this truth that people have used throughout ages. And they referred to it as absolute, and, and what he's doing is he's taking that truth and he's clarifying it or he's bringing the true understanding to what God actually meant out of it. Now, again, I've said this to you before in weeks past, that Jesus is not, he's not changing the law. He's not trying to intensify it. He, he's not trying to bring a new meaning to it. No, he's just bringing us back to what God actually wanted it to mean in the first place. He's, in, in another sense, making it plain for us. He's done this throughout the Sermon on the Mount since the beginning of chapter 5. And he's talked about lust. He's talked about divorce. We've preached through all of this anger throughout the last several weeks. So if you missed it, go ahead and catch up with us. And this week, he's talking about oaths. Now, friends, everyone in here has made an oath before. We've all sworn by something, and sadly, many of us have taken it to the extent to swear to God on something or something being true. We have all done this before and hear me because this is nothing new. The reason that Jesus is having to address this in this passage today is because people all throughout antiquity, they were going around making oaths and not keeping them. They were lying to one another. So he has to address this in order for people to understand what it really meant. See, people were swearing to God all over the place to get someone to believe in their word. And here's the thing. When you swear to God or you swear by God that something is true, you're now making God a partner in that transaction. So you better not be lying. Because it's not just about you or your word anymore. You're bringing God into it. Now hear me, to make an oath wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It was in the law. You saw where God says in Leviticus 19.12, he says these words, you shall not swear by my name falsely. And so profane the name of your God. It says, I am the Lord. So it's written, do not swear falsely. But it does not say, don't swear but what God is really getting at, and this is what he's really trying to get to us, do what you said you would do. Live a life of integrity. If you say, if you say you're going to do something, make sure you do it. Make sure your words are always true and trustworthy. There's nothing worse than someone saying they're going to do something for you and then they turn around and don't do it. We all been there before where you've been let down before. You've been let down before? Some of us have been let down this week. We, we remember it, and we upset about it, right? You've been let down before. Someone said they, they're going to do something for you, and you're like, no, you didn't. You let me down. It's the worst thing, right? I mean, we, we, this is why he's addressing this, because people are lying all over the place. Y'all, we are known as a people that lie. We lie all the time, little lies. Like, why you got to lie about that? Come on, man. Your shirt is pink, and you told me it was blue. Like, why are, you, why are you lying? There's no reason to lie. But we do it all the time. Satan lied to Eve. You, you see them lying in the next chapter to God. Like, I don't know who told me. He told me this. No, 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 man. You, we're lying. We're known to lie. It's in our nature. That's why it's in the Ten Commandments. You're reading the Ten Commandments. You're like, okay, thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not lie. Why is that in there? Because we lie. I mean, y'all still not getting this. When we're kid, it starts off when we're kids, kids just lie for no reason. I mean, and, and it's funny sometimes when they lie, not when they lie to you, if you know what I mean, but when I, when I think about it later, I'm like, they just straight up lie. Some parents here get what I'm saying. My kids, they would just lie for no reason sometimes and, and they will. this is how I know they're lying, they just start talking. They just start talking. They're not looking at you in your eye. They're like, yeah, daddy, this is what happened. And and she did this to me, so I did this. I'm like, you're lying. You're not even looking at me in my eye. I know you're lying right now. Why are you lying? And that's the question, why are you lying? The reason they lie is because they don't want to get in trouble. And the second reason, here it is, is because they want to be seen as good in my eyes. You see, all of us want to be seen as good people. So we'll lie, we'll cheat, we'll steal, we'll do whatever it takes sometimes to be seen as righteous in someone else's eye. But Jesus is saying in this passage, you don't need to do all of that. All you need to do, you you don't need to lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't swear to God. He doesn't, he, he says, he doesn't even say don't make an oath. What he says is, he says that oaths aren't really even necessary. Just live a life of integrity where someone can just accept your yes or your no. See, what he's spelling out in this text is that although you may swear by his name, the earth, your grandma or your grandma's grandma sitting on the toilet with a hoe, y'all don't even know Come on now. Some of us like to swear on grandma, grandma. Grandma's in the grave. Come on now. We just swear for no reason. And here's the thing, we swear over and over and over again, and all that swearing, no matter how loud you get, it doesn't make what you're saying more valid. You see, the fact that you have to do all that swearing in the first place, make an oath, that means that your character wasn't trustworthy in the first place. There's an issue here. You see, he's saying in this passage, your character should speak louder than your words. It should speak so loud to the point that oaths are not necessary. Jesus even says it a little bit more. He makes it clearer in case you didn't get it. He says, don't swear by heaven for the throne. That's the throne of God. Don't don't swear by the earth because it's God's footstool. Don't swear by Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. You see these words? Then he says this, don't even swear by the hairs on your own head, for you cannot make one hair black or white translation in all of this is that we don't even have the authority to authenticate our claim by swearing anyway because nothing belongs to us we didn't make it God is all powerful he's almighty he just says in this passage Jesus says keep it simple let your yes be yes and your no be no But see, therein lies the problem, as I noted earlier. Integrity has become a lost value in our culture today. I mean, it's Father's Day, and I would love to say that all fathers have been perfect, but many fathers have let their children down. Many of us in this room come from fatherless homes. There's more fatherless homes than ever before. Two out of five men... And this is increasing. We'll grow up in a fatherless home. This one broke my heart. Eighty percent of the men that are in prison come from a fatherless home. Where's our integrity? Moms, they fail their children, too. Friends fail each other. Bosses have wronged employees. Integrity has become lost. Where's our character? I mean is there any wonder why we all have trust issues today Then what happens as a result is that we are living in one of the most non-committal cultures ever Less and less people are valuing or even wanting to get married It's it's very rare to see someone stay at a job 5 years let alone one year People won't jump into anything unless it benefits them let me put it this way. We're, all living, we're living in a Band-Aid culture. We've all had Band-Aids before. Band-Aids, they stay on your skin until they don't stick anymore. See, we live like Band-Aids. We just aren't staying sticky anymore. We appear to be sticky, family, when it starts out. We're excited to jump into something. We're all about it. But as soon as something doesn't go our way or we feel like something is wrong, the stickiness wears off and we abandon ship and jump out of it. We don't know how to endure anymore. We're a generation family that wants the privilege without the responsibility. We want the things of God, but not God. We want the benefits of church membership, the community, the friends, but not the spiritual authority of a pastor or the giving of our time, talent, and our treasure. We want all the perks, but we don't want what comes with it. We appear to be pure sexually, but really, on the inside, we're jacked up. See, we appear to be one thing, but we're a wreck on the inside. Now, let me ask you, is there any wonder why people will look at Christians and say, why would I believe your word? Matter of fact, why would I believe in the word of God when you're supposed to be exemplifying Jesus in the scripture? Why, why would I believe that when your character looks the way it is? Where, where's our integrity? See, Jesus is saying people should be able to trust you or who you are by looking at your life. Your words are just an overflow of your life. So if a person is a person of integrity, then people will take you at your word. Now, hear me, this doesn't mean go around and put on a show. Pretend, perform to be something you're not. Don't, don't try to be a Pharisee, be legalistic, and put all these rules in order because none of us are perfect other than Jesus. Jesus is the only one that was ultimate and had the ultimate character. But the passage here, it should make us question how's our character? Can people trust my life? Can they, can they take me at my word? How's my integrity? Let me ask you you ever met somebody that you know where it didn't matter what they said, you just you just trusted them? I mean, you, you watched them for a while, you, you've been around them for a while, so much that you just, without thought, you just trusted them. See, it's quiet in here. I mean, think about it. Because we've all been there, but it's hard to think about that person. You know why? Because we've been let down so much. People fail people. We let each other down all the time, so it's hard to think about that person we just trusted right off the bat. Something, some person, a person that we all trust right off the back, you know who it is? It's our parents. We all trust our parents right out the womb because that's all we got. We start out trusting our parents. I mean, watching my kids and the way they relate to me, it's, it's almost as if daddy can do no wrong. Y'all guess, this week I had them running suicides in the basement. <laughs> I had them running suicides in the basement all because they want to play basketball like Daddy. They like ribs and pizza because mommy and daddy like it. It's like we can do nothing wrong. See, we all are there at that place sometimes with our parents. We're learning from them. We're getting everything we can from them. So we trust them right off the bat because we don't know how to do anything unless they tell us to do it. So we trust them, that is, until they fail us. Because here's the thing. Parents... We all will fail our children. See, one of the worst things that parents can do to their kids is act like they have no flaws. Kids need to know that their parents aren't God. They need to know that we're not fully dependent on ourselves, but instead we need the help of someone else. They need to know that. See, family, what I'm trying to get at is that all of us will fail one another if we haven't one day. We will do it. And I got to say this because we put too high of expectations on each other. This happens in marriages. This happens in friendships. happens in relationships. It happens in work. We expect more from people than we should, or we put this high moral standard on people like they are never supposed to fail or let someone else down. I mean, hear me, if, if this is you, and you, you always put a high standard on people, it's not necessarily just believing the best, but you're like, they're going to be the greatest, ever. you're always going to be let down. you always always walk, walk around sad, you're going to walk around lonely, because people, family, hear me, including myself, we're sinful, which means that we're going to mess up. We're going to let each other down. We're not going to hit the mark, that high standard that you have set for everyone else in your life probably but yourself. We'll always let each other down. We're not perfect. I mean, this is why marriages sometimes fall apart. We, we walk into marriage and we just expected him or her to get me. You know, he, he just got me. He understands what I'm thinking. No, he don't. She knows what I need. No, she doesn't. We just think that, that we, we just have this high expectation in reality it, it, it's not true. It doesn't work. Y'all, we're, he's different. She's different. He's sinful. She's sinful. And they're trying to come together to form a union, be one, y'all. That math don't work. It's not supposed to work. In reality, marriage is messy and it's hard. The two coming together that should not work. The only way it works, hear me, is if they're both dependent fully on God, who designed the covenant of marriage. He's the designer. You can work as hard as you want, but you're still going to feel unfulfilled in a marriage because if you're not dependent on God, it's not going to work. Friendships fall apart because we expect the most from each other. They let me down. Well, I'm not going to talk to her anymore. No, nope, I'm good. And here's the reality when you're able to work through those challenges, when you're able to work through the differences, you know what happens to the relationship? It ends up stronger. It ends up stronger. See, my my point in this family is that we hold others to this Jesus-like character standard and our relationships always fail because of it. Let me say that again. We hold other people to this Jesus-like character standard and our relationships always fail because of it. You know why? Because we ain't Jesus. We're not Jesus. We're not perfect. If, if, If we were, then he wouldn't have to come down. We're not that. Now hear me. I'm not saying to walk out these doors and just start expecting the worst of people either. That's not what I'm saying. But we have to level our expectations around people being simple and messy, which means that all of us have the ability to let each other down. We all have flaws in our character. None of us are living lives of the utmost integrity without flaws. So the question I know that's probably lingering in your minds is, well, How do I live a life of integrity, Pastor D, if I'm always going to have flaws? How do I do that? There's a simple answer. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Let him build or repair your character. Hear me clearly. You can't build your own character. Only God can build character. Here's why I say this, don't tune me out. here's why I say this, we can work as hard as we want, we can make it through trials, we can survive in this life, but to what end? I mean, what, 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 what's your tombstone going to read? He was a hard worker. He made a whole lot of money. He was such a nice person, oh my gosh, he was great. And, I mean, that's cool, what What else? I mean, our our life's family here me should point to someone much bigger than us. It should give someone else hope. People should be able to watch the believer and simply say, there's something different about him or her, and I want it. True character to which Jesus is calling us to in this text is only attained when we place our eyes on him. See, Jesus in this passage is saying that true character, it's more than just talking. It's more than just talking, y'all. I, I, I don't get character mixed up with talent either. Don't get it mixed up with talent. We, we mess this up all the time, especially those of us that lead other people. See, we, can, we put people, sometimes we can put people that are talented in positions where their character is not ready for it. And they mess it up. I, I've done this myself. We all mess this up. Hear me, character is not a gift. Talent is a gift. Character is a choice. Talent produces temporary impact, but character produces lasting impact. Big difference. See, Jesus in this passage is saying you don't have to swear or take an oath to gain someone else's trust or belief in you. He says they should be able to see your life and take you at your word. And see, friends, in order for this to take place... Your life can't just speak of you. But it has to point to someone bigger than you. Because as I said before, we're always going to fail someone else. And Jesus never will fail you. When we build our lives around little old us, you know what happens? Our lives become small. Minuscule. Our lives become chaotic. We end up doing things we never thought we would. We end up being around people or doing things we, could, we can't believe we're doing. Our lives seem to be out of order to us. But if people are looking at us, they're like, man, they got it all together. But on the inside, we're a wreck. And here's the hard truth about that. Whatever's on the inside one day is going to come out. So hear me. To be people of character and integrity, we can't just look to ourselves can't just work harder, but we have to look to Jesus. So let's take a look at the character of Jesus. Hear me, out of necessity, Jesus being 100% man and 100% God, all at the same time, it's this big term we call the hypostatic union, it means he's 100% man and 100% God all at the same time. He humbly comes down, and he lives a perfect life without sin in front of many people. Jesus, being God, had the power to overcome sin and death and defeat it, which is why he's sitting down to this earth. See, God sees us in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our mess, could have wiped us out, but through his love, he sends his son down here to live amongst us. Lived the same life we did, model it in front of us, meaning that he went through the same sufferings that we went through, meaning he went through the same trials that we went through, the same tribulations. He went through all of that, the same temptations without sin. Jesus came down here, lived the life in front of us. Y'all, I don't know about you, but there's something about my Savior being able to live the same life I did without sin. See, that's someone that I can trust in. That's someone that I can believe in. That's someone that I can have my faith in because he not only came down, but he knows what I'm going through. He knows what it's like to lose a friend. He, He knows what it's like to have a hard day at work. He knows what it's like to be angry. He knows me. You see, but Jesus doesn't stop at just knowing us. No, no, he doesn't stop there. He goes and he starts making his road to the cross. But wait, 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 don't let me get to the cross too soon. Jesus, the night that he's about to die, he takes a supper and he, 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 he feeds those that are with him. He, he washes their feet. Then he's betrayed by one of his own. They take him away with chains. He's locked in chains, crown put around his head. He's beat down. He's kicked on. He's spit on. None of this is from what he did. He's doing this for us. He's scored so badly, meaning that he's whipped so badly that he should have died from the internal bleeding. But no, 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 Jesus didn't stop there. Y'all, he takes that old rugged cross, he puts it on his back, and he starts hiking up that hill called Golgotha. And he sends on that cross, nails, each one of his hands, nails in his feet, dies the death. We should have died. Blood rolling down his body. Do you understand the type of painful death? that Jesus went through to pay the price for our sins. Not his sins, our sins. Y'all hear me. Jesus didn't just preach good messages full of fluffy words. He didn't just say the things that we wanna hear but here, he didn't say, I'm going to do all this so you can live your best life. No, no, no. He, he modeled a life full of integrity and character in front of us, not for his good, but for our good. Amen. See, everything Jesus did, he did it for the good of others. He serves his disciples. He served the people. And most of all, he served his father. He emptied himself so that he could be of use for his father. All throughout Scripture, when Jesus is around, you see him pointing his ministry back to his father. John 5.30 says, I seek not my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. He's always pointing back to the father. He's God in the flesh. He can take it all. But he humbles himself. See, but there's a problem with us. See, we, we tend to get so caught up in always thinking about what others think about me. Well, what do I get out of it? What, what do I look like? Which, as I told you earlier, that, that's, that makes our lives very small. We got to let our lives point people to someone bigger, someone better than us. People should look at the Christian And not only believe what you say, but say, I want whatever that person has. And in actuality, what they're really saying is, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. Family, we're all, every one of us, we're made in the image of God, which means that our lives have never been solely about us. God wants us to know him for us but even more so that people can look at our lives and find him. But when we try to just model integrity off our own goodwill or what we bring to the table, we lead each other astray. We cause chaos. I mean, look at this world today without God. We lead each other astray. It's chaotic because we're imperfect. Trying to make something perfect trying to figure it out on our own. Let me end with this because I'm not sure if you guys are following me. There's this study that was given some years ago where officials at Kruger National Park in South Africa at the game reserve there, they were facing this growing elephant problem. The population of the African elephants, once endangered, had grown larger than the park could actually hold. So measures had to be taken to thin out the ranks of the elephants in the park. So they put this plan in place. They devised a plan to relocate some of the elephants to another African game reserve. But the problem was that elephants are huge, which makes it hard to transport elephants. I know some of y'all like Dumbo. They can't fly. They don't fly. So what they do is they they, they, they design this, this harness where they would be airlifted by a helicopter out of the game reserve and taken to another game reserve. But there was a problem with the harness because the harness could only hold certain elephants. It could only hold the little juvenile adult or, or male elephants and the adult female male elephants. But it couldn't carry those big old African bull male elephants. It, it wasn't strong enough to carry them. So they said, okay, well, look, we'll make a quick decision. And what they did is they said, well, we'll take some of those young juveniles male elephants and then we'll take the adult female elephants and we'll take them out of here and see they thought the problem was solved they got to the reserve they thought it was solved they, they thinned out the ranks they thought everything was, was taken care of but sometime later there was a strange problem that occurred now on this new African reserve the same place where they took these young juvenile male elephants and the adult female elephants rangers started finding follow me dead bodies of endangered white rhinos see at first poachers were suspected To be the cause of these dying rhinos but when they looked at the bodies they didn't see any gunshot wounds they 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 noticed that their horns were still there their their precious horns were still there so so they didn't understand what's going on they said it it takes a lot to kill a big old rhino there's not much in the world that can kill a rhino so what do they do they set up cameras all over the place to watch and see what's actually happening what's taking place in this reserve see the result family hear me was shocking The culprits turned out to be these marauding bands of aggressive juvenile male elephants. The same elephants they took from Kruger Park and put them now in this this other national park. They're they're running around. They're caught on tape, running around, knocking these these rhinos down and goring them to death with their their tusks and and stomping on them, stomping them out like they're in a game. they're, They're killing these rhinos and see some of you guys are looking at me crazy because such behavior from an elephant is unusual something went terribly wrong so some of the park rangers they settled on this theory they said look we got everything here in the game reserve everything's here that they need what's happening there was one thing that was missing the presence of the large dominant african bull elephant See, in natural circumstances, the adult bulls provide modeling behaviors for the young elephants, keeping them in line. See, juvenile male elephants, they experience what's called mush. Y'all ever heard of that? It's a state of frenzy triggered by mating season. These testosterone levels that are rising in their bodies and it makes them go crazy. They don't know what to do with it. Now, normally, the dominant bull elephants would manage and contain this testosterone-induced frenzy that these younger males are experiencing. But left without the elephant modeling, y'all, y'all missing this. Without the elephant modeling what needed to happen in front of them, family, the younger elephants were missing the civilizing influence of the older dominant more that male elephant that needed to be in their life. Y'all still missing this. So they tested the theory. They get a harness that was this big enough to carry these big male bull elephants, and they start transporting them into the park. Within weeks, this whole crazy behavior from these young male elephants ceased. No violent behavior anymore. These older bulls let them know, y'all ain't acting like elephants. <laughs> That's not what we do. So they started following these large male bull elephants and they started learning how to be a true elephant. Family, here's what I'm trying to get at. Many of us have been running around acting like these juvenile small elephants destroying our lives and the lives of other people trying to figure out our own way trying to endure, trying to make it through life, trying to shape our own lives by by what we bring to the table, not realizing there's other people that are watching all the mess-ups and the mishaps and the things that we go through. And all the while, Jesus, our parenthetical African male bull elephant, has come down from heaven, came down here, put a human suit on, I like to say. Some of y'all don't like that, but he put on flesh, became just like us, did not sin, lived the life that we should have lived, modeled it in front of us, y'all. And he said, look, all you got to do is follow me. Me and believe all he says he says look 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 at my character look at my integrity believe in me see jesus did everything he said he was gonna do he worked miracles he fulfilled all the law flawlessly he he, he fulfilled prophecies he settled the sin debt between us and god y'all and he did this not for himself but for us Family, I believe it's safe to say that we can go ahead and trust Paul into Jesus' arms. He's worthy of our trust, he's worthy of our faith. Jesus, in this passage, is saying, You don't have to swear or make an oath, you don't have to lie, you don't have to cheat. You have to do all that to get someone to believe in you. You have to do that for someone to follow you. He says, look, look, just just live a life full of character and integrity. And Prince, hear me. The only way to do so is to truly believe and follow Jesus, the only one that lived a life of true character and integrity. He says, I got you. Follow me. Just follow Jesus. And family, let our yeses be our yeses and our noes be our noes. Let's live lives of integrity. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your goodness. You're an awesome God. We give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. God, we mess up from time to time. We don't get it right. It's a good desire for us to to want to live righteous lives, to want to live upright. God, it's also good for us to recognize that we can't do it by ourselves. It's also good to recognize that our lives are not our own, and we were created. And as image bearers, that means that we are to give glory back to the one we are created in the image of. So, God, I pray that we will live lives that resemble you, Jesus. And in doing so, you take care of us, and you bring more and more people to know you. Gotta pray if there's someone that's been struggling with their own character, their own integrity in here, saying, that's me, I've been trying to live my own life, I've been messing things up, I've been lying, I've been cheating, I've been doing all these things. Gotta pray that they would just say, Jesus, I need you right now, because your word says that you're just and righteous to forgive. We come to you, God. There's grace. There's forgiveness. There's love that covers all our sins. So, God, I pray that we call out to you because we all need you. God, I pray as we get ready for communion right now that we would never forget what you did for us. You modeled a true life of character and integrity. But then you took our death on the cross. And God, we celebrate through taking communion this morning. Remembering what you did for us. God, you're good. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We pray all these things in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen thanks again for listening to our podcast today I pray again that it was a blessing and encouragement to your soul and I hope to see you at one of our services at 10am take care, God bless you